Hello, welcome to the second episode of this week. And the reason why we're doing a double posting is because we've got the Davis Cup finals right around the corner. Um, it's being held in Madrid, Innsbruck, Austria, and I believe uh, Turin, Italy? Turin again. Wow, right back to back. That's good for them. So they don't really need to take the court down, do they? I think that's the idea, is that they can kind of just keep the court as is and just throw the Davis Cup right on there. So Yeah, so um, F- Frank and I just kind of want to discuss basically what they've done to Davis Cup. I don't think a lot of people really understand what they've done and what the previous and current formats are, so we're going to start off with that. The previous formats, obviously, was that it would be held... Uh, at certain points in the year, usually most of the time after a Grand Slam for whatever round, and then at the end of the year you would have the finals. And um, for every match, it would be hosted by a country, and they get to pick the surface, the venue, the this and that, and the balls and everything. So it would be a total home court advantage, and it would be make for some really interesting ties and some tennis. Um, however, two years ago, uh, Davis Cup kind of wanted to switch it up a little bit, so they brought in uh, the soccer player Piquet and uh, he was part of some sports management group, and they kind of switched it around, wanted to do like a World Cup event, which has the pros and cons in my opinion, um, but that's just how they're going with it now. So now it is a 18-team event held in 10 days. Um, they had it at 7 last year, but they had matches going until like 4 a.m., which was ridiculous, so they extended it out to 10 days. Um, every, they're groups of three. Every winner of the group advances, and then the two best second-place teams um make it um it makes some for some really good tennis um and um it must be working frank because we've got a lot of the top players we've got Djokovic Medvedev Rublev um who else am I missing Sinner Sinner's gonna be playing um yeah I mean I think Berrettini would also be there but he just tore his ab so he's gonna be missing this one but yeah, I think I think it's a, it's going to be a pretty decent turnout um, outside of Team Canada, uh, but yeah, it should be it should be good. It's it's pretty competitive. I think it's it's really a testament that the top players are going to be bouncing right back from the ATP World Tour Finals to play Davis Cup uh, within basically it was a week, it's less than a week. So that's a pretty big deal, um, considering how long the tennis season is. Um, that's pretty impressive. So. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, Davis Cup, Davis Cup, I think is cool. I love the team events. We've sort of spoken previous podcasts about how team events are very much needed in tennis, and they add like a different dynamic that is really cool. Um, however, I do think that one of the issues of, of having this at three different venues is that you you lose that inherent home court advantage of playing with the crowd, etc. That every single tie would have. But rather now, it's just going to be like three teams having that. So I don't know. It's going to be weird. You can you, you, give give us your thoughts. You you have much stronger thoughts on this than I do. So yeah, um, most of the players kind of. I think the I think it's actually well. Okay, here are my thoughts. So f- as from a player's perspective, I actually think it's better for the players because it's kind of just a one-off tournament at the end of the year. And it gives them incentive to kind of play during the year to make it to this one-off tournament. They get it done, and that's just kind of it for your season. You know, you get the rest until the uh, the Australian swing starts. Whether or not it's good for the actual kind of history and the beauty of Davis Cup, I don't think it's really good because you lose, like you said, those crazy home court matches where fans are just going berserk. You're playing on 
Like I remember the U.S. would always travel to Europe and play on like some ridiculous slow clay court that like has it's like a slower clay court has never been built, but it's so fascinating to watch that happen indoors and with rabid fans and stuff. Um, but it clearly attracts the players because if you look in the years past before they kind of made this overhaul, the top players were not playing it anymore. Once once Federer won his Davis Cup in 2014, he he was done. Nadal had already won so many. He was like not interested anymore. Same thing with Djokovic. He won one and was like, I'm good. Um, so this definitely attracted kind of top players to come. Some players are also missing from this tournament, um, but we're going to get into that a little bit later. And for the fans, I think it's not really a good thing because it's held in one location in November and it's usually kind of held indoors and tennis fans are not like soccer fans where the world cup where like everyone's going to go and it's going to be crazy. It's just kind of like local people, ah, you know, it's kind of like a local tournament, but they just happen to be wearing flags on their shirts and stuff. Um, But the team competition is great and playing for your country and having countries kind of face off against each other is really interesting. Yeah. So I think two thoughts on that. So one, I agree with you. Um, there's a lot more top players, which is great. And I think that what this format does is essentially make it so even if your country, quote-unquote, is top-heavy, you can win the Davis Cup. Whereas before, I think your squad had to have depth because you weren't necessarily going to get the top players every single time. If your country had top 10 players in the top 100, they were going to be more likely to progress further in the Davis Cup than now, whereas, like, Russia, for example, Russia has depth too. But, you know, Russia, like, I think they're going to be rocking three players in the top eight, which is kind of sick. But, like, they should be doing quite well in this. So, yeah. And in terms of the what you're talking about with the fans and traveling I'll, I'll give my thoughts on that later but i think there is a way to fix that yeah i don't necessarily i don't think i necessarily agree with the fact that you have to be or that you had to be a deeper team because if you noticed even if you only had like two really good players they would just play them for all three all five matches right so like i remember back in the day like mario and i forgot it was ancic or lubicic they like single-handedly won davis cup for croatia he like he won two singles and he won a doubles um is it a great idea no because you do want to kind of like spread out your kind of wealth um and i think that that's another kind of weakness in davis cup is that it's very top heavy so nations that only have for example like switzerland you got fed vavrinka and that's kind of it and then they won davis cup um and i think it's kind of cooler if you can kind of make it a little bit more extended and make a rule that like you have to play different players but that's all kind of thrown out the window now that we're doing a two plus one format with two singles one doubles although i think that they should say hey for doubles like you can't play singles and doubles yeah i agree with that 100 percent. you should not be able to double up people um i think that would also lead to specific double specialist being selected which which some of them were but um you know i think that would lead to it being a little bit more selected rather than just say these are our three best singles players let's just do this and you know we'll figure it out um but i'm curious i'm curious about this format it's something different i think something different is always good for tennis to experiment see what happens and uh, you know whatever but uh the point that i was going to make about the traveling which i do agree with you is i think that davis cup doesn't need to be held every single year i think it can be held 
every four years, quite honestly. So I would do it if the Olympics are, you know, let's say 2020, um, then you can hold the Davis Cup on the two years off cycle. So on 2022, um, it's the same thing in soccer with the World Cup and the Euros. They're on a two year lag from each other. Uh, that way you still get the international competition, but because it's once every four years, there's going to be an elevated level of urgency, drama, desire, and and it's actually going to add more prestige to it. Uh, and I think that would be a way to sort of fix that problem that you're talking about. I think there's, A, the tennis season is just so ridiculously long to begin with. We're literally in a season right now that's running from January to the end of November, which is crazy. And beyond that, there are other alternatives like Labor Cup that have entered into the fold, which is really, really fun. And uh, the formerly Hotman Cup, now ATP Cup uh, in Australia, that's sort of a tune-up in a way for uh, the Australian Open. Uh, so I think you still have that every year. Players enjoy playing the ATP Cup, so we'll see. But that's sort of my thoughts on it. Yeah, I think it should be held at least every two years. Um, I think four could potentially be a bit much because um, I think the ATP Cup is kind of weird. It's also set up a little bit odd. It's more geared towards like the top players. I don't know. It, I'm not really sold on the ATP Cup either. I think if you're going to do a team event, you need to do more than just two singles and doubles because we really want to see how deep your nation is, right? Like a la France, a la Spain would be really good in those events because they got depth. You know, they got a bunch of top 50, 100 players. Again, if you're like a Switzerland or a Russia, although I'll take that back about Russia because Russia has some serious depth now. Um, but yeah, I think that would actually really help. But I do not think Davis Cup needs to be held every year, considering the fact that we're playing from January till the first week of December. And these, what is, what are these guys are going to have like three weeks off. I mean, dude, you barely got time to breathe before you got to go over to the other end of the world in Australia. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think... Uh, listen, if it's up to me, I think it is every four years. I think, like I said, you just do the off cycle like that. But if you want to do it every two, I think you can make that work too. Um, but yeah, I just don't think it works every year. I think it's just too much. It's just too much uh, tennis for these guys at once. And I think we saw it with the sort of ATP World Tour Finals where we had two people pull out from injury. Um, you know, there's these guys are putting a lot of stress on their bodies and, and we need to be able to protect that. And uh, the way to protect them is by giving them a break. So that way, if they need to get any operations done, if they need to just quite honestly rest and have that mental reset, um, they have the opportunity to do that. So, but we can talk about that. That's like a whole separate topic that we could do for another podcast. Uh, I think we should get into our predictions now because there's kind of a lot to chew on here. Uh, when it comes to prediction. So, Marcus, why don't you just sort of run us through? Yeah, I think we should discuss. Obviously, we'll go from uh, A to Z here. Um, so, first group A has Spain, the Russian Tennis Federation, lol, uh, and Ecuador. I picked Spain, actually, to upset and come out of this one. I think that they have a really good doubles team that will take the doubles point, and I think um, the who, that's a very good question. Uh, I had it down before. It is... Feliciano Lopez and Marcel Granulares. Really good doubles team. Russia has nothing comparable to that. They will absolutely win the doubles point. Uh, and then I think 
Spain, at that point, you just need one singles upset. And I think Rublev, extremely vulnerable right now. And even if you replace him with Kachanov, don't really know if Kachanov gets the job done. Also, uh, Spain with home court, right? That's part of it. Spain's going to have home court. So I think, yeah, I, I didn't realize that uh, Lopez and Grenolier are going to be playing. Uh, they're obviously a top eight doubles team in the world. So I think that's an easy... Uh, that that I, I I would also agree with you. I think Spain does win that when you factor in home court, uh, and it's most likely going to be on clay. I would assume, right? Or are they going to be indoor hard? Indoor hard. Yeah, I mean, if they could put that on clay, it's a hundred percent Spain because then you're putting med on clay and uh, and everything. But uh, indoor hard might make that a little bit more complicated. But I'd still take Spain. Spain is just. Spain is still probably the class of the world when it comes to, like, depth of tennis players. Italy is now really knocking on that door, I will say that. But um, Spain, Spain's still the class. So Yeah, I agree. Plus, you got, I mean, you got, you got Roberto Batista, good, playing singles. That guy can take out anybody on any day. So that's legitimate. And maybe if they throw in Alcaraz instead of Busta, I think that might be an option for them. So, you know, that's kind of a toss-up, but very interesting group. Um, group B. Canada, Kazakhstan, Sweden, kind of a really weak group. Um, and it wasn't as weak as it should have. It's it not, it is weaker than it should be. Yeah. Thanks Frank. Uh, I, did, I didn't do well in English class in high school. Um, because Canada is missing their top two players, FAA and Shapovalov. So now they are left with a ripe roster of Vasek Pospisil, Braden Schnoor, Steven Diaz and Peter Polanski. Um, and because of that, honestly, I'm picking Kazakhstan to get out of the group. I absolutely rate Alexander Bublik. Love this dude. And he gets hyped for international play. Um, and they also got a really good veteran in Mikhail Kukushkin. Really good player. Not to mention, Alexander Bublik and Andrei Golubev have won Grand Slam doubles matches. So I think they can grab points all over the place. Uh, and Ecuador, honestly, I didn't even know Ecuador had a team. So. <laughs> Ecuador um yeah this group is kind of a joke when you have Russia and Spain in one group together and then this trio I don't know who did the seedings for this sorry that was Sweden in the other group my bad uh that that was Sweden as the other team Ecuador was in the Spain France that's Jesus the Spain Russia group Jesus I'm getting my mix up getting Um, off the rails really quickly that's fine yeah Um, so it was Sweden Sweden was the other one my bad yeah so uh, I I think that Yeah, I think you got to go Kazakhstan. I think you do. I think Bublik probably wins his singles. I honestly think Kukushkin probably wins his singles too, quite honestly. And then Kazakhstan might sweep it. Might sweep it. So, yeah, I would go Kazakhstan pretty handily. I think Canada gets eliminated. Uh, Vashik Pospisil is a decent player. Don't get me wrong. He's a really good doubles player, but uh, who is partnering him? And I think that's kind of it, kind of it for them. Group C, I think, is an interesting one. Group C is a really, really interesting one. I picked Team Great Britain. I think Great Britain comes out of this group. Um, As do I. Yeah, I I think Nori is proving himself to be a legit top 20, top 15 player. Uh, Jamie Murray, is he going to be playing? No, that's a shame. Dan Evans. uh, Dan Evans is another legit top 20 player on his day. I think you could potentially just sweep the singles there and you're done. 
But yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with Team GB because I think also both of those guys, Nori being coming from a college tennis background in the United States, like really knows how to play these sort of ties very, very well. And Dan Evans uh, particularly, I think, would be a fantastic doubles player if they decide to put him and Nori together. Quite honestly, it might not be a bad idea. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah, I think Team GB. I, I just have this feeling they're going to pull it out. I think so, too, but not for the same reasons that, that you mentioned. Um, I just think France's singles is way too weak. So France on their roster, they don't have Monfils. They don't have, oh, God, who am I missing? Even Sanga, Simone, nobody. I don't even know who they they got nobody of that caliber. Ugo, Ugo Umbert would be the other one. He's not on it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But, I mean, the only thing that they really need is um, Mahu and Huger Hooper, uh, the doubles team. They won the ATP World Tour Finals for doubles, actually. Um, they are, in my opinion, the best doubles team in the world nowadays. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll get the doubles point. They would get the doubles point against anyone, quite honestly. So, uh, outside of Croatia. Croatia. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so so I think I think Team GB. I just think, like you said, the singles is just not good enough. So yeah, that's exactly where I was going with it. Basically, France will snag doubles, but there's no way that Nori and Evans are going to be losing against. I mean, Rinderknecht not bad, but he's not there yet, and Gasquet is basically completely washed. Um, and who's the third team in that group? Czech Republic. Czech Republic. This yuri vesley and that's literally the only name that i know on that list so yeah goodbye czech republic um let's move on to group d another interesting group uh croatia australia hungary i pick i'm gonna roll with australia here um i think Korich is not going to be able to win his match just because he's returning from injury and he's going to be completely rusty actually shocked that i saw him on the roster here um, and I think the Aussies will pass by with two singles victories. They got Alexei Papirin, really good indoor hardcourt player, and Dimenauer, who I think uh, can win a match when needed. I do think that uh, Croatia will win the doubles like you just mentioned. Yeah, so the two Croatians are the defending gold medalists. Uh, they won the gold medal. And I believe they finished the year-end um, number one for doubles. So they will definitely get that point. However... Australia gets through. I think the singles, again, is just too strong. Uh, I think Demonor, automatic, uh, you know, he's going to win. Um, even if Korich is, like, back to magically being 100%, I would still take Demonor because Demonor is a very good player. He just, I think he's gotten really unlucky with draws this year in Grand Slams. He, like, always runs into, like, some top eight player and, like, really pushes them and plays really well. But, you know, you just, like, he's not one of those players that's going to ever, like, beat someone better than him. Um, so yeah, I think Australia wins a handily and Alexi Papyron has had a couple of really nice victories this year out of nowhere. So I would go with him. I'd roll with them. Uh, I think Australia, uh, takes that. And now on to, uh, the hotly, hotly debated group, um, featuring Italy and the United States. Hey, don't forget Colombia. And Alejandro Faya. Who's the, who's the captain actually? I love Alejandro Faya. That guy was awesome. Um, yeah, so Frank clearly wants me to have my take first. Even though it is being played into in Italy, I've got the USA winning. And please let me explain. You've got two. You've got Riley Opelka and John Isner on the roster. So you've got two guys who are six foot ten playing on fast indoor hard courts. Good luck breaking them. I think at least one of them wins a match, 
And I think the U.S. grabs doubles because you've got Rajiv Ram and you've got Jack Sock, who is arguably one of the best doubles players in the world. I just think I think they can do it. I just don't can like it's not out of the question that like Italy can absolutely win. Duh, but I just I don't know. I think the U.S. pulls it out for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. So, uh, Marcus, let me ask you a question. In Antwerp, Yannick Sinner played Riley Opelka. Do you, do you know what happened that match? Um, I'm assuming Sinner won, but we also just saw Sverev lose to Medvedev and then beat him in the final. So yeah, anything's possible, really. He's gonna try to defend that wildly egregious take. I think Italy wins that tie. They're at home, number one, and uh, number two. I think that, you know, I think Sinner is an automatic W at singles. I think that the addition of Bellelli uh, for the Italians in doubles is a I was just about to ask you, Frank, what lineup does Italy put out, singles and doubles? Well, let's be clear. If Italy was rolling with Berrettini and Sinner at singles, automatic win. I think they actually probably win the whole tournament, Quite to be fair. But... Uh, with Berrettini being out, Sinner is your number one singles. Uh, number two singles, Sonigo. Um, yeah, he's the number two ranked Italian right now. That's not Berrettini. So I think you got to go Lorenzo Sonigo. And then at doubles, I actually believe they are going to put out Fognini and Musetti, who have played doubles before in a few tournaments and done pretty well. Um, Musetti is essentially just... Fognini reborn with a one-handed backhand so and if you to and like to uh, this is a separate note but like in reality if you think that Fognini and Musetti will not be able to make that crowd go absolutely berserk in Turin you're out of your mind they're gonna be going nuts and I understand that Jack Sock is really good and I I'm a big fan of Rajiv Ram too but I just cannot see the Italians losing that. I actually think that they win both um, singles ties, and that's how they get through. But I do believe, uh, and that's how they win the group, rather. I think both teams get through, um, but that's my opinion. But Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, listen, that's my upset pick. So, you know, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns here. I know, Frank, I know it's outrageous, but I'm sticking to it. I think it can happen. And um, now for the easiest pick easiest group to pick in the entire thing yeah um gonna roll with serbia um and that is solely because their captain is victor troitsky correct yeah nothing to add just literally victor troitsky that's it that's it that would be my dream to play for that man yeah and yanko tipsarovic that's another one added to the list that's a throwback um let me ask you a question i'm looking at serbia's roster here um Austria is done. No team. That's it. So we can we can kind of throw. Does Germany have a shot? <laughs> you want me to say it so bad? I I think they do actually. I think they do. I think they do. So, uh, I I I think that Jan Leonard Struff is a really interesting player. I think he could potentially um have an upset in there. He won't beat Djokovic. Djokovic will not lose. But I think once you get past Djokovic, Serbia's a little shaky. Um, so I could see Struve pulling an upset, and I think that in the doubles, I mean, doubles is kind of an anyone's game situation, so, yeah, I mean, it could happen. Uh, do I think it will? No. I think Serbia will win the group pretty handily, but I don't think Germany is nearly that bad. I think if Zverev was playing for Germany, I actually think they, they, they win this tie, because Zverev beats Djokovic, I think, and at that point, Germany just needs 
one of the two rubbers left. So, yeah, interesting. They're really good. They're the, Germany is low key a very solid um, tennis nation. They're not really talked about in the same way that Spain and Italy and France are. Um, but you know they, they've they've got a ton of talent. Yeah, thank you for laying up the sphere of T ball there because this guy I don't know what is up with him, man. You're Germany's best player. And you've literally stated that you will not play Davis Cup be only because of the format and you don't like it because it's not the way the old Davis Cup is. Dude, get over it. Suck it up. Every other top player is playing this. Don't you want to win for your country? Clearly not. I mean, honestly, German media and German people don't really like you anyway. So, yeah, I'm going there. Um, but back to the tie. Back to the tie thing. I think Germany takes dubs. They've got Kevin Kravitz and Tim Putz who are fantastic doubles players. Um, Kevin Kravitz won a grand slam with Andreas Mies. He's unfortunately injured. Um, but those guys, I think, can win doubles. The question is, does Dominic Kupfer pull out an upset against, uh, who they got, Lajevic at, uh, at Lajevic? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough. But one can, one, one can dream, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think also in Zverev's defense, he would say this. I already won you the gold medal. That was my representation for the country. Not good enough. <laughs> um, yeah, G- Germany, well, we should do this as a separate podcast topic of just like kind of who we believe are the best tennis nations in the world nowadays, like Spain, obviously, Russia right there. Uh, France has always continuously been like, decent you know they're having a little bit of a tough time in singles right now but in doubles they're phenomenal um why has germany never really gotten to the same levels um as like a spain or a france etc so that's that's an interesting topic we'll do that one day um and if you guys have any other countries you'd like us to examine or think about definitely let us know Uh, one that would come to mind actually is brazil brazil is a really interesting case they have, like, obviously some Grand Slam winners with my, one of my personal favorite players of all time, Guga Curtin. Um, You know, uh, so that, that's another interesting one to sort of think about. So, Frank, we just ripped out the group stages. Who do you think is actually going to win the whole thing? Unfortunately, I think because Italy is missing Berrettini, they will not win. Even though they will have home court, I do not think they will win. Unless Sonigo is having the tournament of his life or, you know, Fognini and Musetti are just, you know, putting on the circus in doubles. Um, I, th- I think ultimately, I think it's so hard to bet against Russia. I just, I know we didn't pick them in the group stage, but, like, I just think about, like, you need an upset to happen basically to get two singles off of them. Like it's so hard to beat them. Like you have Medvedev and then you have either Rublev or um, it's escaping me right now off the top of my head. Kachanov. Kachanov. Like that is just such an, like a, tough one too you've got two players in the top five playing singles for you like how is any country supposed to beat that so i i just i i think you go with the best roster i think it's russia i think russia wins it they won the atp cup as well i would go russia 
Yeah, and you know what? Actually, now that I'm taking a look at the other roster again, their doubles their doubles isn't shabby either. Karatsa, very good doubles player. Um, and you compare him with Don Skoy, who's kind of a veteran kind of singles doubles guy. He's been around for a while. Or you or you can just pair him with Kachanov or Rublev. Um, but mainly Kachanov. Kachanov is also a really good doubles player. Kachanov's also played some really good doubles with Rublev. Also, quite honestly, you could throw Karatsev as a singles player. He's been electric all year. So why not? Um, yeah, I, I, I just think Russia, Russia, when you look at the full body of that team, that's the best team. I think Spain also is going to be right there, right there. But I don't think that PCB or RBA have the potential to beat a top 10 player consistently. Do I think they could do it in an upset in the first round? Yes, because a player like PCB, a player like RBA, they don't beat themselves. So absolutely. I think if Spain want to win this whole thing, you got to throw Alcaraz on for singles and roll the dice because I think that Alcaraz can beat Rublev and should beat Rublev, Rublev quite honestly. Bold take with the should. I respect it. Um, but Rublev absolutely gives you a thousand... I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Alcaraz gives you a thousand times more firepower than uh, Karenio Busa, especially on indoor hardcourts. So, yeah, I, I roll with that. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I think when you just... Like, I, I understand that's maybe a hot take. Rublev is a top five player in the world. But, like, Rublev has just been playing so badly. Like, why would you not throw Carlos on there? Uh, you know, but... Whatever. I can understand. He's like 18 years old. You don't want to put all the pressure on him, but that would be my opinion. I say YOLO and do it. Um, yeah, but and that... I think doubles-wise, they're great. Doubles-wise, they definitely, like, any. they could compete with anyone. Plus, Feliciano Lopez is right up there with Victor Troitsky. 100% love that guy. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, have you seen the captains? All of these are guys from, like, on the tour from, like, 15 years ago. I'll read them off. Ready? Leighton Hewitt, two-time slam champ. Stefan Kubek from Austria. Yeah, you don't remember him? Lefty guy from Austria? Yep, yep, yep. Frank Dan- Dancevich from Canada. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You remember ball boying for him, don't you? Yep. Alejandro Faya, your goat. I love him. I met his dad. Very nice guy. Lol. Um, I don't know who the hell Vedran Martic is, but anyways. Um, Czech Republic has Yaroslav Navratil. Ecuador has... Raul Viver, I don't know who that is. I don't even know who's playing for Ecuador, so it doesn't matter. Um, Ecuador has Roberto Carroz, I think, good doubles player. Diego Hidalgo, maybe some good doubles players. Carroz, I know. Carroz, I know. He's a decent player. Yeah. Um, France, Sebastian Grosjean. Remember him? How do you like my French accent? That's like one of the most aggressively French names. <laughs> like right up there with Pierre, who's... Like Uber, whatever his name is, I, I can't. It's just so amazing. I can't really say anything as a joke because it's not like Lorenzo Musetti is exactly like a neutral name, but it's comical. Or you know, Germany's captain Michael Kuhlmann. Yeah, no, it gets it gets really good. Um, I don't know who Leon Smith is for Great Britain. Hungry skip. Is Martin Fuksovic playing? He is, but that's literally the only Hungarian name I know on the roster. Doesn't matter. He's awesome. Yeah, he's dope. Um, Filippo Valandre from Italy. Yeah, captain of Italy. Um, Kazakhstan, they probably just bought some other Russian guy to be the captain. Um, wow. <laughs> I'm keeping it real here on the Breakpoint pod. Um, <laughs> um, 
Serbia. Yeah, I'm skipping over Russia. I don't know who that is. Uh, Serbia, Victor Troitsky. Spain, Sergei Bruguera. You ready for this one? Sweden, Robin Soderling. Um, I take back my prediction for Group B. I now believe that Sweden will win that group handily. Here's the thing. Robin Soderling turns back the clock, gets the prestige, and heads out onto court. I was about to say, he's definitely got to insert himself for at least one match. (laughs) Please do that. Yeah, like, screw Michael Emir. Like, you know, he's not winning anything. Like, Robert so- put in Soderling. He'll just start, like, making fun of people. Like, maybe he'll get Rafa to come out for Spain and just, like, angrily play him or something. Oh, so good. I love Soderling. I really just, oh, what an electric human being. Um, okay. And then the U.S., obviously, uh, Marty Fish, who's done a fantastic job. So, um, yeah, no, it's a, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty interesting event. I mean, honestly, if they just had a tournament with just the captains, I'd totally watch that. Yeah, it's like every obscure tennis player from, like, the late 90s through early 2010s. It's really, really incredible. Like, this is, like, honestly, have you ever heard of Sporkle? No, I haven't. What's okay, Sporkle? it's, like, literally, like, obscure quizzes of just, like, which MLB player had like 30 home runs and 100 RBIs in this 2007 season? And it's like that's that's what this is. These captains are like Sporkle quiz answers for tennis. <laughs> um, you and I would get every question on that thing right too. You know that. Yeah, there's a story about Frank Dancevich. It's really irritating me why I can't remember this. Is it the Marty Fish? Is it Marty it's, Fish? It's the Marty Newport? Fish. Yep, I knew it. Marty Fish just all of a sudden just like went off and just started talking mad, mad crap to him. Um, I was about to say another word, but yeah, uh, my ball boy for Dankovic too. Actually, really, really good dude it seems. Um, but anyways, we're going a little off topic. Uh, but this wraps it up for our Davis Cup review. Um, again, guys, if you guys have any suggestions, comments, questions, please DM us Breakpoint Podcast Seven on Instagram or Breakpoint Podcast Seven at Gmail dot com. We're open for discussions, uh, and we'd love to hear your predictions. So, uh, you know, drop some comments. Gee, don't go to class. Waste of time. All right, that wraps up the episode. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. All right, take it easy, guys.